On today's show, Jalad and I discuss some of our favourite stories in video games and the unique ways in which they're told. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Seferin. And I'm Gelada. And today we are going to be discussing our favourite stories in video games. Uh, we were thinking about what to do our episode on and we thought we haven't done a list episode in ages. No, we haven't. Um, that was kind of weird and we were like, let's do one for fun. Yeah, and we've had a little bit of feedback from people sort of saying that, you know, they like when an episode is a little bit more balanced between the two of us um, rather than just sort of one person heavy. Um, and so having a list episode is a, is a good way of doing that. Yeah. It means we can have a discussion about something, but yeah. also bringing our, our more tailored knowledge about it. Because all these games we've got experience with that we want to talk about, but we've mm-hmm. definitely got more experience than others in you know our personal choices right uh, and then we can kind of talk about that and then we're also going to have a, a single joint discussion one at the end as well which we both play quite extensively and we, we love yeah absolutely so there's not really any kind of like rules to these lists so to speak it's more just a case of like it's a subjective one right like these aren't necessarily the best stories they're ones that we really love and um, ones that have sort of stayed with us since we played the game some of them have been more recent, some of them have been quite a long time ago now, but they've all kind of stepped with us. So hopefully if there's a game in here that you've not played, uh, then us talking about the, the narrative might get you interested in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what is your first choice? Before I start on my first choice, I guess it's probably pretty obvious, but there's likely to be spoilers in this episode, um, especially with my choices, actually, because with my choices, a lot of the reason why I think that the stories are good is because of the way that they resolve themselves. Um, and so the spoilers are like spoilers for the endings of these games. For me, I struggled to think of games that like I, I found myself justifying away games and being like oh it's not really about the story with that game it's about the character or it's about the environment or something like that yeah exactly and we've talked a little bit about um sort of favorite worlds before but when i really sort of thought about stories what i actually ended up getting onto and kind of thinking about was sort of like storytelling concepts in games and games that challenge traditional kinds of things around storytelling with video games and the first game that i wanted to talk about is uh, bioshock one the first bioshock game specifically bioshock came out in 2007 and if you're not familiar with it is set in the 60s uh, sort of like alternate history 60s and you're playing a character who is in a plane crash uh, and ends up in the sea essentially and fu- and is like right near this um lighthouse and you go into this lighthouse and there's a diving bell if you like yeah essentially it's a, it's just a giant diving bell you end up in this underwater uh city called rapture the setting is very 
particularly stylized for like what is it is it like art deco style or yeah something it's like, like modern that? art deco isn't it yeah exactly and um it's quite a lonely game like it's interesting as, as sort of saying something that's a you know and thinking about a game in terms of story it's quite a lonely game and you have uh the other characters tend to talk to you over a radio rather than sort of like being characters that you mm. interact with and it also has basically no cutscenes. that was a conscious uh sort of design decision that mm. they made when they were making bioshock yeah everything plays out either in front of the person, your character, or it's played out over the radio while you have no kind of like uh, agency over it, but you have other things to do at the same time to feel like it's like a a real-time event that's happening rather than you just participating in the watching of it. Exactly. And uh, actually, interestingly, when I was reading up a little bit on some of the history around Bioshock, I can't remember who it was, whether it's the producer or the or the director of the game or whatever, had like some background in um, theatre and stuff like that. And right. so because there are no cutscenes, you obviously have to guide the player to look at the right things. Yeah. And so they use techniques from theatre in terms of like things like lighting and sound and sort of, you know, ways of like guiding the player. And it reminds me a lot actually of Valve and how, um, mm. you know, they sort of have the way that they do their level design where they sort of, you know, guide you in a certain direction based on the way that the game is designed. Yeah. That's not particularly why I like the story. Uh, I think for me, what I find really interesting is that Bioshock's story particularly the the way that it resolves itself is very very twist heavy it actually turned like when you play bioshock you're guided by this character on the over the radio called atlas it turns out in the end and it's sort of it does suffer a little bit um in that it has that kind of like tries to make everything more complex than it is but basically mm. through some sort of like weird genetic conditioning you are actually being controlled with like a trigger phrase by this character over the radio and where you think you have choice in the actions that you're making as you play the game and the game sort of gives you choices quite a lot you actually don't and it's weird because that's kind of like a an observation or a critique if you like of video games themselves Mm. because you don't really have a choice when you're playing a video game in general like you can't do any anything you want you have to like follow along yeah you have to do what the game tells you to progress the the game forward right um and that's kind of what it's sort of like the story is almost like you know criticizing itself or criticizing Mm -hmm. the medium that the story is being told and so i think that's why i particularly love the story and i particularly love the the way it develops and you know that sort of combination of 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 all of that really like the environment the way that it's quite lonely but you do have these people that you're interacting with and ultimately it's just it's very kind of sinister and sort of thought-provoking and really leaves you with sort of this the sort of illusion of the whole game is kind of shattered at the very end Mm -hmm. and it sort of ends on in such a way that you don't tend to have in games like te- games tend to end and they sort of resolve with a you know an ending of some kind and and it is an ending but it's also like it just puts into question the whole game when you get to the end yeah um which i think is really is really interesting you know it's it's sort of like i really love that kind of like twist reveal where like suddenly your understanding of a, of a story and the things that have and events that have happened yeah it puts everything else into perspective yeah have just been like completely changed and you're like wow like there was so that was not you know it's completely different to what i expected yeah i really love that about bioshock and so that's why it's sort of one of my favorite um examples of of sort of it's more of a like storytelling in video games rather than the story itself i guess it's sort of a slightly different thing 
Yeah, I'd agree on that one. It's definitely a, a means in which it tells the story is almost more interesting than the story itself. Yeah, absolutely. But that then tells a good story as a result. Like it, it plays to its strengths very much. And there's definitely so. some really interesting concepts as well as sort of a, a, a finisher of talking about Bioshock. The sort of the environment as well and the stories around that, around like the sort of idea of building this like idyllic world um, under the ocean where, you know, everything is perfect. And it's this, you know, it's sort of, there's quite a like sort of political piece there as well, which I find really mm. interesting. The game's got a lot of like big ideas it likes to explore. Absolutely. And if yeah. you want to dive deeper into them, you can do and really kind of unpack some of it. And actually on that, um, I've got, I'll add a link in the show notes to an article um, by Vox, which um, sort of dives into the sort of the themes around Bioshock and the uh, themes around the story. Um, so definitely worth reading if you're, if you're interested. Well, going from one game, which is quite a lonely game, which is more of a about the environment which you're placed within and less about the individual characters, to one which is kind of the opposite, uh, which is one of my games, which I recently talked about its sequel, actually, on a Soundbite episode we did. Oh, yeah, you did. And that is Valkyria Chronicles, the original and the first one that came out on the PS3 uh, back in 2008. These games all have a similar sort of um, time period to them, actually. I just noticed. Yeah, that's interesting. And actually, weirdly, similarly, this is also sort of an alternate history, real world sort of thing, mm. rather than like a complete fictional fantasy land. And this time it is telling an alternate history of World War II, where rather than it being, say, the Allies and the Axis, it is the Federation and the Empire. <laughs> kind of very similar anyway to the real world equivalents yeah. of them, <laughs> where the main real difference of it is this sort of semi-magical mineral called Ragnite, which allows for some kind of like fantasy-esque advanced technology. So think the kind of thing you'd find in like a Final Fantasy game where like it's the MacGuffin unobtainium metal that lets you do things that would otherwise... Oh, yeah. (laughs) We talked about this before, right, with um, Mass Effect. (laughs) Basically, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of Mass Effect's Element Zero. Yes. So the war breaks out between these two giant nations because of the scarcity of this resource, which they're both becoming incredibly reliant on. Uh, And you play, or rather you take control of, a squad of soldiers that are from an independent nation that are basically caught in the middle. The geography of it is very similar to that of, like, real Europe. So you are sort of in the same sort of position where, like, Belgium and the Netherlands is, sort of in that sort of area you're very much caught in the middle of the two warring factions and you're trying to remain independent. But Mm. that's difficult because your nation of Gallia is one of the main locations of the largest source of Ragnite in all of the world. So they both sort of want your nation on their side, but they're also just not, they're not against invading you to take it either. That in itself is an interesting tale, but the main draw of the game for the story aspect of it, is very much the characters. It's Mm. a very character-driven narrative. The kind of main protagonist is a character called Welkin. Uh, He is the commander of the squad in which you control within the game aspect of things. And it's all about his relationships with uh, with his fellow soldiers and coming to kind of understand the differences between people who come from different backgrounds and they all come together in sort of like a war environment where you've got a band together all kind of die almost, essentially. And it explores sort of the experiences that these people have within a war environment. It's interesting because the game actually has a very sort of like very pretty watercolor style art style. And if you've seen some screenshots of it, you'll know exactly what I mean. Uh, But it still faces some quite serious issues. Like it deals with sort of death and collateral damage and subjugation of people 
William yeah, it's got Moore. this. It's, so it's got this sort of interesting juxtaposition between that the story and the and the art style in a very way. Very much so. You kind of, when you first look at it, it, it it's very anime in style, both right. from an artistic point of view, but also from a story point of view as well, in that it grows its characters. Things do get a little bit like fantastical later on, but it always kind of comes back to these real world sort of like, not horrors of war, but sort of the the issues that arise as a result of war. Like it doesn't focus, right. it's not it's not a dark game by any means. It's still like a, like a, a, a fantasy anime style story yeah but it doesn't shy away from those themes which is quite interesting interesting. i must admit like thinking about i i I don't really know a lot about the series but i never really knew that that was what it was like from the surface from the outsides just sort of knowing of it i never sort of knew that that was kind of what was what was there beneath Mm. the surface which i think is really interesting like this sort of yeah that you know the fact that it is kind of tackling those things in in a situation where maybe you wouldn't expect that hmm uh, and I recommend it to anybody who has an interest in either a traditional anime storyline that is deeper than you expect. Uh, mm. And if you've got much anime experience from listening to our old episode, previous episode on anime, yes. you'll know. But also just from having a kind of a, a strong character driven story as well. Um, so if, if characters are more what you like within a story game, then this is definitely one I recommend for you. There's a remastered version on Steam. Uh, and PS4, which I highly mm-hmm. recommend. Mm-hmm. And the fourth entry in the series is is out by the time this episode will release uh, in the West, uh, which is going to have a very similar feel to it from a different point of view. It's the same event. It's the same war. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's, it's an absolute... It's a gem of a game. It really is. And it's a, it's a shame that not more people, even though it was successful, haven't played it. Is it the same as the new one that's coming out in that it's a blend between, like, turn-based... Yeah, so the combat is, it uses what they call the Blitz system, where initially right. it's a turn-based strategy game and an over-the-top kind of map view, and then you choose a unit to control. Then it becomes almost like a third-person action game. Right. Um, okay, and it's, it, it works surprisingly well. It sounds like it would, would just bomb, but it, no, it does. The, the system works really nicely together with itself. Interesting. And so how does it deliver the story? Like, is it mostly sort of cutscenes and stuff like that, like in between the, the combat and things yeah, like that? Yeah, very much so. So the game, it actually poses everything as like a, a, a recounting of this, the events that have happened from like a reporter who was sort of embedded with this squad during the war. Oh, interesting. And they recount it in like this, um, the Chronicles of Gallia, basically, which is how the game sort of does its more episodic based content. Sort of like each kind of battle is like an episode or almost. And then there's like the surrounding cutscenes with that as well. And then you also have um, the more character moments between each people mm-hmm. that you can you can watch as well that are optional. So you see more, even the side characters, like the ones who are not core to the story whatsoever can get some development there and you kind of get a feel for each individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much delivered in a very Japanese anime style um, presentation. It's definitely something that you watch rather than than experience. The game and story have a little bit of a disconnect in that sense. Yeah, but I still feel the story is definitely worthwhile playing the game for, even if you don't gel as much with the gameplay, like the turn based combat system as I was I do. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm, okay, interesting. Well, going from sort of a game where you've it's a game that you watch um you know for in terms of the story and also a game that you know it sounds like there's a you know you've you've got sort of lots of um character interaction and stuff like that to my other choice to talk about instead of lots of characters it's really focusing on the relationship between two characters um and that is the last of us 
Now, The Last of Us is a little bit more recent. In fact, maybe is, is it the most recent game on this list? Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's from 2013, and there's also a remastered version as well for the PlayStation 4. Um, and it's a over-the-shoulder, kind of like... I don't know what you'd say. Like, it's a shooter, but not, like, massively. Like, to some yeah. extent, I really felt like Last of Us was a little bit of an interactive film. Like, it's yeah. not um, It's not super... It's not, like, cutscenes all the time. It's very much a Naughty Dog game. Yeah, like, it's absolutely. it's their own kind of flavour of game now, isn't it? A hundred percent. And so there's a lot of... It sort of weaves in you moving from place to place, there being some cutscenes, there being a little bit of shooting, you know, and, and sort of... It's very seamless in the way that it yeah. delivers that. And the story is that it's sort of a, it's, it's a very typical kind of post-apocalyptic um, setting, you know, like everything is very overgrown. There's a lot of, there's a zombie um, kind of like, I think it's some kind of like weird fungus or something. Isn't yeah, it? that like, that's right. It's turning people into, into zombies um, and sort of cannibals. And the game starts actually with sort of going back in time from the main present uh, day bulk of the, yeah, bulk of the story. Um, in that, uh, the character that you play as Joel, it kind of like, I think it's the very beginning of the, like... The outbreak, yeah. The outbreak, yeah, that's the word. And you, he has a daughter and uh, they're trying to, like, escape and then ultimately his daughter gets killed. I think she gets she gets shot by a soldier or something like that. That's right, she, like, yeah. They're trying to escape the, the initial outburst and in the ensuing crocus of trying to kind of contain everything, she gets caught in the crossfire. Exactly. Then the game kind of cuts to the present day, if you like, and then you're still playing as Joel, um, and he essentially gets um, entrusted with looking after this girl, Ellie, who has been infected, but doesn't seem to be, like, turning. So mm. this is very kind of, like, traditional. Like, it's like, maybe this person holds the cure. Yeah. And so you're tasked with getting her across very hostile terrain to a sort of band of people that um, may be able to uh, essentially extract a cure from her, if mm -hmm. you like. The game really focuses on exploring the relationship between yeah, the definitely. two of them um, and sort of dealing with Joel losing his daughter and then sort of gaining this uh, charge, if you like, to look yeah. after. And as a whole, I don't really think that the story is particularly unique. No. Um, you know, there's a lot of sort of apocalyptic style stories that follow a very similar kind of yeah, line. Yeah, it's a lot of traditional tropes for a zombie style game. Naughty Dog do a great job of bringing you into that relationship. No, they don't try to, but they, they they kind of make you feel like you are Joel. Very much, yeah. And what that's really, really interesting because then what the game does, and again, spoilers for the ending, is that when you, you do eventually get to this band of people or whatever, where they have sort of medical equipment and doctors and stuff like that, and they're like okay, great, like, we think we think we can get a cure, like, out of Ellie, essentially. Um, but to do so, they're going to have to kill her. And you as the player, and you're playing as Joel, but Joel decides, no, like, that's not okay. He doesn't want that. And he essentially, he saves, in inverted commas, Ellie. But in doing so, he kills all of the doctors um, he kills like the people that sort of set you off on that journey in the first place um, and essentially kind of like kidnaps Ellie uh, and, t and takes her away. And the game ends with you. I think you're driving off mm -hmm. and he lies to Ellie and he says to Ellie that because she wanted to be the like she wanted to help. And he lies and says that, oh, they're not. There were other people 
that they could use to find yeah. a cure. You're not the only one, which is a lie. She was the only one. And also they they can't find a cure. Um, yeah, it so didn't you, work. It didn't work. And you don't have a choice as the player, right? Like you have to follow the story. You have to you have to kill the doctors. You have to kidnap Ellie. You have yeah. to you have to take her away from the situation. And that's what I find really interesting about the story. And again, sort of thinking about storytelling as a whole with with video games in that the game makes you feel like you're Joel and makes you want to look after Ellie and sort of be be you're in that relationship. And then it like does makes you do something that perhaps you as a person probably wouldn't do. And you're not traditionally expected to do in a video game, mm. um, which is something that's actually really quite sort of kind of creepy or sort of you know not not like creepy creepy but like sinister or sort yeah. of dark you know it, it's clear that like joel is kind of a bit like psychotic um yeah. and and you know and is obviously is you know has never recovered from losing his daughter and he's basically now made ellie his daughter yeah. and it's kind of like it just brings up all of that sort of thought about like you know oh, he couldn't save his daughter, so he's saving Ellie, but in doing so is basically potentially dooming the entire human race yeah. um, through the actions of this one person, yeah. which the is The selfishness you. of himself, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's you as the player. And I and that really sort of sticks with me, I think. Um, and that kind of story and, and, and really sort of like analysing that relationship and sort of the the really the dark sides of that, I think is is really, really interesting and really powerful. What the game does really well is if this was just presented to you like up front or after a short period of time without really growing these characters, it wouldn't be that impactful because you just think like Joel was a bit of an asshole job done. Right. But because of how long the game takes to build the trust relationship with these two characters, mm. what they go through together the really genuine heartfelt emotions that they clearly then show for each other towards like the end of the game as you've gone through all these things mm. it makes it much more impactful when he, he makes the choice he does and then you have to act out that choice regardless of what your opinion is on the matter uh it, it, it makes that pulling for the rug from underneath you so much more satisfying a hundred percent like because it is actually quite relatively speaking it's quite a long game and there's not it really is there really isn't a huge amount to it in terms of a depth of, of gameplay or, or um you know sort of diversity in terms of things that you're doing it really yeah. is just about them trying to get from one yeah. side of a map to the other <laughs> going from point a to point b and shooting people and some zombies in the me in the process yeah exactly. everything else is all about their relationship between those two and them meeting yeah. other people and getting through situations together and there's also quite a lot of sort of like visceral kind of um combat moments and stuff like that as well which i think further kind of cements that feeling because it feels like you've gone through these horrible things together mm. as joel and ellie and also you as the player you feel a little bit less empowered than you would typically do in a, a male action adventure game you know where you don't feel like this badass necessarily even though joel is a pretty badass character mm. you still feel a bit vulnerable and yes. you are just human at the end of the day like yes. things kind of just bite you and you die you're like yes, you can't just shrug you things don't have off. a lot of health particularly do you no you, on regular difficulty modes and higher you you don't it doesn't take much to take you down um, no. so you do feel a little bit more vulnerable than you would otherwise do in a traditional sort of action adventure style game mm. um, but yeah I, re I really it's you know, it's. I guess that's quite. But both of my choices are quite kind of sinister um, mm. in their sort of setting. Um, but I think that's what really sticks with me with storytelling and it's stories in video games. And I think that the way that 
the relationship between the game and the player, I think, is what really interests me in these stories, because that's something you can't get from books or films. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so that's why I think these these are particularly great video game stories rather than just um, stories that are in games. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you're 100% correct. Going from one extreme to another, going from something that's kind of dark and gritty and kind of real and all about human interaction... You go to something which is my next pick, which is one of my favourite games of all time, as well as being one of my favourite stories of all time as well, which is so bombastic and fantastical. Um, <laughs> it really does belong in its own genre. Uh, and specifically, that's Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm. Now, I could spend the whole rest of the episode talking about Metal Gear Solid story as a whole, but I'm specifically trying to focus on Metal Gear Solid 3 because I think... Metal Gear Solid 3 is a much more contained story, even within the larger narrative of the Metal Gear universe. Mm -hmm. So you can talk about it as an individual story without necessarily having to rely on the rest of the lore and events that have unfurled. Primarily because it's the prequel game. It's set before everything else is set. So it has a little bit more sort of free reign to do something and be more conclusive as well. Uh, It doesn't uh, have anything to kind of like live up to beforehand, if that makes sense. And for those that don't know, Metal Gear, again, is sort of in in an alternate dimension, real world. Metal Gear Solid 3 is set during the the 60s. I think it's 60. I think it's 68. During the height of the Cold War between the USA and the USSR. Uh, And you play as the legendary hero, Snake. Well, he's not legendary at this point, but this is what makes him legendary. He becomes Mm. Big Boss. Uh, And it's all about going through his sort of first big mission and trying to uncover the secrets of this new developmental weapon who has been developed by this, like, defected Soviet scientist. Uh, And all of the betrayals and political machinations that have gone on with that. And I won't go into all the detail of, like, all of the, the twists and turns in the characters because it wouldn't be very interesting. It's far more interesting to play the game and experience it. Hmm. But this one, unlike the rest of the games we talked about, isn't so much necessarily about the the really strong individual characters or the really strong sort of like mess, narrative message he tries to give across. It's really just so much of a fun story whilst hmm. also being kind of interesting and, and, and kooky in its own way. Um, it, it almost feels like a James Bond film. Right, yeah. If you've ever played Metal Gear three you i mean references james bond films in the game as a whole it has that sort of like kind of 1960s 1970s style action movie vibe going for it whilst also still trying to kind of like stay within a more serious tone as well like talking about um the choices of soldiers within battle like you at the end of the day they kind of give up their choices for their free will for their country and like what they follow what they believe in kind of comes second to whatever they've been ordered to do in their mission Mm. Uh, and where does your loyalty lie? Is it with your friends and comrades or with it with the mission and the government in which you're kind of participating in? I always feel like Metal Gear from the outside, I've, I've not really actually played any of them, but sort of from the outside of, of knowing about it and hearing about it, it's sort of, I'm not quite sure what the right word is, but I always feel like it's it's quite sort of flamboyant and dramatic. Mm, very. And sort of, if it was a, if it was a sci-fi I would I would use the term space opera, right? And yeah. sort of like operatic in its um in in its story, in that sort of like all the concepts are very like massive in terms of like sort of the level of drama, I guess you could say. Very much, yeah. This is very much the game which is saying, if you fail, the whole world's in peril. Right. You know? Exactly. Whereas the rest yeah, of the yeah. games we've talked about for the most part are more 
kind of contained like for example the last of us was about the relationship between joel and ellie and even though the effect of that relationship had on the world was significant the story still focuses very much on those two people yeah and also Um, the significance is really only implied rather than necessarily you know that's not sort of like your direct goal at playing the game whereas in the metal gear games as a whole but and three is definitely this is the case what you're doing is going to impact the entire world and that's kind of very obvious and there are really bad bad guys you know almost like comically bad bad guys uh, yeah but there's also sort of like the shady bad guys who are running everything in the background as well so it, it has a bit of both it, it has that sort of like pantomime ridiculousness to it but it also has that more serious undertone to it as well mm, uh, mm. which i think is why the series is so successful because there's a lot going on in all of the games and the characters you interact with are at first almost one note but you realize there is more going on there for a lot of them and some of them are really really interesting characters don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's like a masterpiece at all um, in terms of storytelling <laughs> it's very weird and it is very typical of the the creator hideo kojima Mm. but at the same time it's very unique you you don't get many stories like the metal gear story especially metal gear 3 it's very much it's your own unique beast right and one of the great things as well is if you're even remotely interested in the metal gear storyline uh on the concept of it three is a great place to start you don't need to have the previous lore so you don't have to have played the previous games at all you can kind of go in very fresh uh not knowing anything really about the game except that you play as a guy called snake and that's it and then you'll get a good feel for it and at the end of it it is kind of a self-contained story there is kind of an ending and it just kind of like pads out details for the other games to then play into later on it's it's interesting because all of these like the four games we've talked about are all you know they're all looking at storytelling in different ways and they're all very different in their delivery and our final choice i i guess sort of sits somewhere in between all of them a little bit um and our sort of joint choice and that's half-life 2 mm. right like we we sort of we talked about some different options about games that we both played that we also both like the story of and and half-life 2 was sort of something that came up it was something that we'd both thought about for this episode one of the things that i really liked about half-life 2 mm. before we get into what the story actually is about is how it kind of uses some elements of the games we've already talked about and the way it delivers its story as well Mm. so it doesn't use traditional cutscenes, no but then unlike say something like bioshock which you can do anything whilst those kind of like scenes are playing out it often locks you into an area to experience yes. it or it kind of takes control away from the of the con- player for you at the same time like it doesn't force you to stop playing but it very much encourages you to pay attention as well it, it's an yes. interesting blend Yes, it's always, it's like permanently first person, but sometimes the game reduces the amount of things that you can do. Whereas Bioshock kind of, apart from at the very end, basically, uh, you know, you can really just do anything while the game is, is playing out. And if you're not familiar with it, what's interesting about Half-Life is that the whole series is is cohesive, right? Like there's a, there's a whole story going on throughout mm. all of the games. And actually you, you as the character, uh, as Gordon Freeman, you dip in and out of this story that's going on in this world and that's kind of that's on purpose like that's that's part of the plot if you like you are literally plucked out of the story at certain points and then it yeah. continues on without you and then you get dropped back into it 
And the first game, Half-Life, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of story to if you to cover to go through all of them. But just briefly, you're sort of a research scientist, I think, aren't you, at, 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 yeah. a, at a facility. And then an experiment goes horribly wrong and opens a crazy interdimensional rift and lots of aliens come through. And then that's sort of the first game is <laughs> like trying to trying to salvage this mess. And then in the second game, it sort of explores some of the further consequences of the of, of what happened um, with that interdimensional rift in that there's then another set of like aliens come along um, and they're sort of vastly superior and uh, they basically conquer the earth in in a, in a in a war in seven hours and take over essentially and then and then rule over earth because they like the look of it and you're sort of brought back in and but what's interesting is that there is the story explores this feeling of higher beings just kind of all over the place, mm. right? Like you, you, you're very much a sort you're of a pawn. A, you are, you're a pawn in, in this story that's going on and you don't really know. Like one of the things that is, is sort of cool, but also sometimes frustrating about Half-Life and Half-Life 2 is that the game doesn't explain anything to you, like ever. You, know? <laughs> you sort of have to figure things out as you go, maybe pick up on some background information, the surrounding area, listen to conversations that you otherwise yes. could just walk past, because it'll so often lock you into a room or into a situation where you sort of have to listen to kind of core dialogue. Yes. But then you can usually wander off and carry on doing the main game and, you know, you know shoot and you know climb and everything but then sometimes characters will have conversations sort of like just passe that yes. you don't have to listen to that do kind of flesh out that oh we 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 did that experiment the other day and it didn't go very well um you know right. or we we need to go to this place because they the combine the, the main aliens are doing a thing that we need to stop soon you know right exactly and the game is just full of these layers to the story of like things that are going on and sort of like joining the dots between different events that are happening in the games you know there's just so much like there's so much going on in this world and so many like little bits and pieces all just all over the place. Like, again, sort of thinking about the when, when we were saying space opera, like what this has is that sort of like just bewildering number of like species and people with agendas and stuff going on, you know, mm. subtext and, and sort of yeah. secrecy and stuff like that. It's just all over the place in the Half-Life series and, and, and in Half-Life 2 as well. Definitely. And one of the great things that the game does as well, which is kind of similar to The Last of Us 2, is it gives you, especially Half-Life 2, is it gives you someone to care about with your partner. Because mm. for mm. a lot of the game, you're partnered up with uh, another character, Alex, who sort of like works as your companion throughout most of it. And you genuinely end up caring about her. Like, even mm. though you don't need to, the story doesn't really, it's not important to the story that you do, unlike in The Last of Us, where it's very important you still kind of have an attachment to her. So when you, you experience the story together, it, it feels more impactful when things happen. And because you play rather than just watch, you get more invested in what's going on because it yeah. feels like your experiences rather than your character's experiences. Yeah, and it's interesting because your character is silent, right? Oh, so that's true, it, yeah. The game uses that. Um, to, and the fact that you can, you're in mostly in control the whole time, um, it sort of does let you put yourself in the character a little bit like it's very much one of those games unlike something like the last of us or maybe metal gear solid as well to some extent mm, mm. yeah no, exactly like say say joel and snake for example from those two respective mm. games they are their own characters very much so you know they have voiced lines they have dialogue yeah. you know you don't really get to choose what they say so you don't get to choose what they say at all whereas say with gordon in half-life 
two or half, and half, the half life series as a whole he, like you say he is mute you don't have any say in what goes on but at the same time you're not told what he's thinking so no, what exactly. you're thinking is what gordon's thinking exactly but yeah i don't, i think that it's just an interesting world that valve have built with half life yeah. 2 and, and 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 the stories that they tell are really interesting and and you never really quite know where it's going to go we definitely don't because of the whole Half-Life 3 thing. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, we will never know. <laughs> probably not, no. It probably won't finish The story now, will never be resolved one way or the other. Which is a shame because it, it did such a good job of building it from this sort of like, not generic, but otherwise fairly standard sort of like sci-fi alien plot something that was very interesting had really good characters like they'd spent a long time developing and just get building an interesting world like a a, Mm. a much more unique world than you otherwise would have expected from that sort of game yeah definitely it's it's certainly something that initially both half-life one and half-life two when you play it you don't think it's going to be about the story particularly it doesn't Mm. sort of present itself like that um it presents itself as a first person shooter you know very much so but actually the the story is really the main part i would say and sort of what's going on in that world is the main part very much so and they do a great job of that you mentioned it slightly earlier when we were talking about i think it was bioshock how they make you look in certain directions and do certain things at the right time to get the events to line up and the way they've done it is very clever it's 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 masterclass game design uh, and you can tell that they play tested the ever-loving crap out of it um, (laughs) to make sure that the majority of players will react in the way that they anticipate you will react to things well you you can find out all about that right because you can play um lost coast where Mm. that sort of like little tech demo thing that they did where there's a audio commentary version actually all of them have audio. yeah everything after half-life 2 all the episodic stuff had like the audio the staff audio commentary built into the game right which is a cool idea and i wish more games would do that Uh, me too because it's because they tell you the stuff that they tell you is is truly like insightful like learning about sort of how they the story and and the level design and how they weave everything together you know valve really are the masters of that um and and you know and it just really highlights the difference between storytelling in video games versus you know film and and tv oh absolutely yeah and and they talk about how they try to make the character or rather the player feel a certain emotion at this point but their playtest mm, said mm. that they didn't you can't get that really from from film because or any other form of media really because y- you can screen test it and you can give people reader books but it's very hard to then change something so significantly that, yes to, to, to alter how that scene goes we've talked Whereas about that before haven't we i feel like we have yeah we've I feel, talked about that i feel like before. interactive medium in video games or something but yeah. the, the, oh and patches and stuff like that like you can change games on the yes. fly very much yeah. so and and valve really use that to advantage in in the half-life series you know and you can tell they've worked so hard to craft this scene perfectly whilst also having the player retain control the whole time they don't yank your controller away from you and say you watch this film basically yeah absolutely oh that really turned into like a gush about out <laughs> no for sure and it's such a shame that they don't do more of yeah, this anymore unfortunately uh, you know it they very much become a a developer of, of software now rather than games, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is a bit of a shame because they clearly had the expertise. I, I'm, I'm calling it now. One day, I think we will see Half-Life 3. Yeah, I think so. I think at one point or another they will do. because It will happen. It just might be another... We might have to wait another 10 years. <laughs> I mean, the money's going to be there. They'd, they'd make so much 
kind of profit off of that so but yeah that those are our um our games that we really enjoy the stories of uh yeah. we, we've done a really interesting kind of combination there i think and they've all sort of been presented in different ways well the way the games tell their story is all a bit Definitely. different too we'll link all of the games that we've talked about in the show notes on the website so if you want to kind of check any of those games out you can they're all relatively modern like it so it won't be hard getting hold of them um, no, they're all on like uh, more recent consoles and on pc ports i think for, for almost all of them as well they're all probably quite cheap because none of them yeah. are particularly um they're not like brand like, new games anymore no. either so yeah last of us is probably the hardest one to get because that's playstation only i think yeah i think that's it I, valkyria chronicles is on ps uh it's on playstation and uh pc uh metal gear has been released on so many other consoles now um <laughs> yes. same with bioshock that's on pc and uh the, the console so yeah that, that's probably the hardest one to get the last of us because it's only on playstation but mm. yeah otherwise um give them a try like all of them are, are, are very good interesting stories with definitely other interesting aspects to them other than just it's a good story definitely um and if there's any games that you think you know games that you really remember and that the story really sticks with you um, and you want to tell us about them and maybe say that we should you know tell us to go and play them mm, and maybe on a game club in future yeah definitely it'll be on a future game club episode you can uh, email us and tell us about it uh by emailing show at octal.fm or you can let us know via Twitter, um, at OctalFM on Twitter, or Facebook as well. Um, just search OctalFM on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash OctalFM. I'd, I'd like to play some game recommendations from uh, from our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That'd be fun. And yeah, in the meantime, um, I've been Gelada. And I've been Saffron. And catch us again for another episode of OctalFM very soon, where we weave some more stories about our gaming preferences. You That's, need to get better at that. Yeah. Like, I you thought need I had to learn. it. Yeah, I you nearly had, had it, it but then it kind of like unraveled at the end there. Yeah, it did. Do you like see a, what I did? Yeah, oh, very good. Your thread unraveled there. Of yes. Story. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs>